I'm Nicolas Bornels of Capital Inc. and I would like to welcome you to this very, very interesting panel. Our forum, which takes place in the context of the Singapore Maritime Week, aims to showcase the competitive positioning and excellence of Singapore as an international maritime center. And one of the areas where uh, Singapore has excelled is technology. So we are uh, delighted and privileged to have with us Singapore-based industry leaders who are going to talk about the very uh, topical uh, theme of Singapore pioneering digital transformation and the Silicon Valley of Maritime. Uh, I am grateful to uh, Dr. Sakhrin Osman of uh, DNV. Uh, we have a great relationship with DNV all around the world and I'd like to thank him for uh, putting together this top caliber panel. And uh, I will turn the floor over to him and I would let him introduce our panelists. I would like to say a big thank you to all of you uh, addressing this very interesting topic to an international audience that will be uh, that is uh, logging in to listen to you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Nicholas, and good afternoon, evening to, to everyone. Yes, my name is uh, Sharin Osman. I am the regional head of Maritime Advisory at DNV, looking after the consulting R&D and innovation activities of DNV within Singapore and the wider region. And again, thanks to CapitalLink for inviting us you know, to moderate this session. Uh, and I'm really glad that during this panel session, we have you know, the panelists that are not just their, themselves, but the organization, you know, are industry leaders sitting within the Singapore uh, ecosystem and wider. Uh, so quickly, uh, I will mention the name of the panelists and subsequently I will request them to introduce themselves, uh, the organization that they represent. So we have Mr. Ditriman Kui, the Managing Director of the EPS Accelerator, powered by Techstar. We have Mr. Uh, Lee Keng Lin, the Managing Director, uh, Business Development for the Quark uh, Singapore Maritime Group. We have Mr. Leslie Yi, the General Manager responsible for Information System at uh, PIL. Uh, Mr. Nakul Mahlotra, the VP for Open Innovation at Wilhelmsen. So you can see then that uh, the panelists that we have here represent, you know, one of course from EPS, the, I would say the largest independent uh, ship owner uh, here in Singapore. Uh, King Lin, uh, representing this, uh, the Quark Maritime Group, that is the largest uh, maritime conglomerate with business in the deep sea, in the shipyard, as well as in the offshore side. Uh, Mr. Leslie Yee, representing PIL, and PIL is Singapore's largest, you know, uh, locally based owner-operator within the container segment. Uh, and not to forget, you know, uh, Nakul, representing Williamson, founded in 1861, and now is the one of the world's largest uh, product and services solution provider for the merchant fleet. So you can, can see here, then the, uh, the panel members representing, you know, a really important organization, especially within the Singapore ecosystem. So if I can quickly then uh, hand over to, you know, to, to the panelists to introduce themselves, uh, maybe Ditriman, uh, would you like to start first? Sure, Sharon, thanks a lot. Thank you for having me in this panel with all of our illustrious colleagues and peers from the industry. Uh, I think you've already introduced East Pacific Shipping, a very large independent player with a diversified fleet that's operating all around the world. Um, um, we, as Techstars, 
uh, came in contact with Eastern Pacific about three or four years back. Um, and as Techstars, we are kind of investors in uh, technology companies and technology startups from around the world. And that's what we've been doing for almost 15, 20 years. Um, we've always been very excited about investing in the maritime and supply chain space. And uh, when we met Eastern Pacific, it was very clear to us that they shared our vision and our ambitions uh, when it came to technology in the maritime space. Uh, so we teamed up and we've been investing together for the last three years. And I would say it's been nothing short of a resounding success. So we're looking forward to sort of building on that activity and doing more. Thank you, Simon, for the nice introduction. Uh, maybe next, uh, King Lin, like to introduce yourself and your organization you're representing. Thanks, Charlene. A very good morning to everyone. I'm King Lin. I'm the managing director of the Quad Maritime Group. Uh, the Quad Maritime Group have uh, diverse uh, maritime interests. We have uh, five shipyards uh, globally, uh, largely residing in uh, China, uh, Batam, and Singapore. We have uh, PCL, which is a uh, uh, deep sea. Uh, uh, vessel owner and operator, operating bulk carrier, uh, gas carriers, and uh, breakout vessels. Uh, we have Porsche, which operates more than 70 offshore uh, vessels servicing the various segments in the uh, energy space. And I also sit on board uh, the Quark Maritime Ventures, a company which we have uh, started up a couple of years ago. I think the, our objective is to, is to use our domain knowledge in the respective uh, maritime sectors and identify budding startups which are able to contribute and also to make a difference to the whole ecosystem. Uh, our, our pitch has always been that uh, we are able to assist you know, startups uh, by providing the, them with the go-to-market, by lending them a hand uh, in plugging into the industry, and more importantly, by coming up with uh, solid problem statements uh, for the startups uh, to excel. So very grateful to be here today and uh, look forward to uh, the discussion later. Thanks, Singlin. Uh, Leslie, you're next. Hi. Hi, good morning, good afternoon, everyone. Hi, I'm Leslie. I'm the general manager for IT in Pacific International Lines. So Pacific International Lines is, uh, as we mentioned, uh, the largest uh, container line in Southeast Asia, uh, operating about 100 plus container vessels, uh, focusing on Asia, Africa, Middle East, Oceania and Latin America, right? So I lead the group IT applications developments, operations and security for the headquarters and over uh, 65 offices around the world, including the vessel IT and OT equipment on board the vessel. So PIL, uh, just a quick overview, PIL started our digital transformation journey about 10 years ago, right? Starting with our vessel fleet systems uh, remodeling, to our core liner management system and, and currently our global finance system, right? Uh, we have also uh, internally collaborated with various tech startups. Uh, we have successfully trout blockchain-based EBL with IBM TradeLens, for example, and IMDA Trade Trust. And most recently, we have also invested in SG Tradex, which is a common data infrastructure for standardizing uh, data exchange across the Singapore-based supply chain. Uh, as well, I'm also serving in the Singapore Shipping Association, uh, in short, SSA, uh, in the Digital Transformation Committee and also the Cybersecurity Subcommittee, right? Uh, SSA uh, DTC vision is to contribute to build Singapore next generation maritime 
a digital ecosystem by partnering various stakeholders in the SSA community and also the industry partners to, to work on digital transformation initiatives, right? So we will work with various startups uh, and companies to, to drive some of these initiatives. So uh, one example is SSA in collaboration with MPA and IMDA recently launched the uh, Maritime Digitalization Playbook uh, in late in 2020-2021 to support maritime companies in accelerating their digital initiatives. So this provides a very end-to-end um, -end comprehensive view of uh, the various technologies available and how maritime companies can draw on this technology. Right? Uh, and this was mainly uh, drawn, these insights are mainly drawn from the IMDA yearly digital acceleration index survey done with all the maritime partners, right? Uh, in addition, the cybersecurity committee has also uh, quickly raised the vessel ITOT cybersecurity awareness and readiness on our members' companies and started development of a maturity, uh, cybersecurity maturity scorecard as a self-assessment tool to help ship owners and managers to measure their existing risk level and to plan for their future investments. So uh, these are some of the key things that are happening with PIL and also the SSA community. Thanks, Sharon. <laughs> Thanks a lot, uh, Leslie, for giving a bit more introduction with regards to the activities, not just within PIL, but within you know, the, the maritime community in Singapore. Last but not least, I think we have Nakul, and I'm really pleased that Nakul has agreed to, to be part of this panel because, you know, of course, like what I say about Wilhelmsen, uh, it's, it's a large, you know, uh, global maritime group. So it's really good to also get an outside-in perspective, you know, from an organization that also has seen how things uh, develop, you know, uh, in other parts of the world. So Nakul, if you can, you know, introduce yourself and your role, I think within Williamson, that would be great. Thanks, Sharin. As um, first of all, let me just say I'm I'm super excited to be part of this panel. I think it's um, you know, it's it's always very exciting. Uh, to be part of uh, a panel with so many diverse experiences. I think, I think that's uh, really looking forward to it. Um, as you mentioned, Willemson is, um, I like to call it a 160-year-old startup. Um, we're, uh, we're obviously, you know, uh, been around a long while and, and in maritime all the way through, we are, we are a, um, you know, a company that's very much embedded in the maritime space as such. Um, really, it's, it's um, set up in, in three uh, key segments, there's strategic investments, new energy and maritime services. Um, new energy is, is really about us participating uh, and contributing as far as the energy transition uh, space is concerned, um, particularly in hydrogen and offshore wind value chains, uh, in addition to uh, a number of other opportunities as, as we've been uh, exploring and, and discovering in, in recent times. Um, maritime services is really, as you refer to, our uh, product and service uh, offering uh, to, to the maritime industry uh, with a number of well-known brands um, associated with that, uh, but really also, and, and I'm domiciled in the maritime service segment, um, and I think, you know, what's, what's exciting is that uh, what our digital journey, as, as Leslie mentioned as well, it's, it's not a switch that we switched on last year sort of thing. Uh, this is something that we've been working on for a very, very long time. Um, and um, our maritime service segment, given its diversity of presence in, in the maritime value chain, right from ships agency, ship management, uh, marine products, um, the insurance offering, and so on and so forth, um, really offers uh, quite a lot of insight in, in terms of potential areas uh, for digital transformation and, and something that we've been very excited to, to investigate and, and develop further. 
myself, I've, I'm, I'm actually a seagoing marine engineer. That, that's my qualification. So I've been on the, on, in, in, in many ways, the, the sharp end here, uh, but came ashore. I've been with Williamson for 21 years, uh, worked in a number of different geographies, a number of different functions, but most recently I've been very much embedded in uh, working with our corporate venturing activity, uh, particularly uh, together with startups. Uh, we have a fundamental philosophy uh, that indicates that you know we, we see an extremely symbiotic relationship between our corporate capabilities um, and the freshness that startups can bring, both from a consumption lens, but also from a co-creation lens. Um, and as a consequence, uh, through equity and non-equity partnerships and, and embedded in a, in, as you mentioned, an open innovation philosophy, very, very keen to build out and participate in, in ecosystems and clusters, uh, ultimately to, to drive the industry forward, uh, but also to ensure uh, that we maintain a, a relevance as, as these value chains evolve uh, to the future. Thanks, uh, Nakul. Thanks, everyone. And now let's talk about Singapore. I hope that, you know, I think the audience uh, have seen this report. It is about the leading maritime cities, you know, uh, 2022. And it is through this report, this is the fifth publication, uh, report jointly published by DNV, as well as with Men and Economics, and I'm the, the lead author, I think, for this report representing DNV. That this time around, you know, in addition to Singapore being number one overall, as well as uh, number one uh, city with regards to attractiveness and competitiveness, that Singapore is also number one in maritime technology. And I think on that regards, uh, we did a survey as part of this study. I think there's close to 300 people, uh, experts globally, participated in the survey. And one of the survey questions is about, you know, uh, which city uh, the expert considered to be best positioned for digital transformation. And Singapore has been ranked overwhelmingly top, number one. The, the next city is quite a, a far off. So I think at least on the survey is an indication of the perception of the experts globally with regards to Singapore's position within digital transformation. So now I would like to, to hand over to, to, the, to the panel members to share uh, what are their perspective about the key elements you know, that makes Singapore to be world leading with regards to digital transformation within my time sector. So maybe if I can start first with uh, you, King Lin, maybe can you share your perspective? Yeah, thanks, Sharin. Uh, <clears throat> I think Singapore, as we know, is a very uniquely positioned. Uh, it's a unique city. I think it's quite rare to find a, a country which is so small and with a, such a busy port. And more importantly, you know, a convergence of uh, various ship managers, ship owners, and the various uh, domain experts are coming together in one small city, right? You know, from one end to, to the other end of Singapore, it's two hours drive. So that gives us also <clears throat> a unique advantage in that, you know, people from within the ecosystem, we can get access to each other uh, very well. We have uh, shipyards in Singapore. We have uh, shipyards to, uh, <coughs> for ships to do uh, the maintenance for ship costs, for bunkering, and that in turn attract a lot of uh, marine professionals uh, into the country. So I think in the startup scene, I must say that it has been very encouraging. And I think the rest of the panelists would have shared my view uh, that compared to maybe five years ago, where we were all talking about, you know, uh, trying to change ourselves, everybody embarking on the digital uh, roadmap on how to change ourselves. 
I think uh, we have come a long way from that. Today, we have uh, lots of uh, startups coming to us uh, with brilliant ideas and coming to us with quality problem statement as well. So I think one of the key ingredients is, uh, I think it may be a cliche, but I think the public-private collaboration is essentially uh, one of the driving factors because of that. I think the government, Singapore government, has been very uh, supportive and in fact, very encouraging in that matter. I think GovTech has done a good job. MPA has done a very excellent job in trying to push uh, the digital transformation along. So I also sit on the SSA council member. One of our key drive is to assist our members in trying to drive the digital transformation. So I think we have all the key elements uh, that is required for Singapore to be a digital hub. I think the rest is you know, to, make, uh, to encourage more like-minded partners from all over the world, you know, encourage them to come over here to Singapore, uh, physically or digitally, and then set up shop here and use Singapore as you know, an incubator or accelerator. I think what EPS has done is a very good example of what could have happened if we have enough uh, accelerator or incubators in Singapore. So I think personally, I'm very encouraged by the scene. It used to be what many labeled as a sunset industry. I think uh, I must say that uh, at this moment, I would say that uh, the dawn has never been prettier. Thank you. Yeah, uh, thanks a lot, uh, Kaylin. And then since you, you mentioned, Kaylin, about this uh, public-private partnership, and uh, lastly, I think you mentioned earlier that you are in this uh, SSA Digital Transformation Committee. Maybe on, on the broader scheme of things, what, what, what are your views with regards to you know, why you know, Singapore is perceived to be leading in the areas of digital transformation? Yep, uh, thanks, Shari. So uh, as what Ken Ling mentioned, uh, Singapore, uh, I recently saw a survey that uh, how is the confidence satisfaction level of Singaporeans with the government sector uh, digitalization uh, initiatives. So we get an overwhelming 99% uh, for uh, very satisfied in terms of the services. So it means that Singapore uh, and the government uh, sector has, has pushed very hard on digitalization. I think we have gone very far in overall bringing up the entire country uh, um, towards uh, digitalization, right? And now it is pulling along uh, with the help of the various uh, uh, maritime industries and the various uh, partners like SSA, strong partners like SSA, right? Uh, Singapore Maritime Foundation, SMI. So a lot of maritime uh, focused um, industry and uh, communities that are pu pulling um, in this same direction, right, towards digitalization. So, for example, we also have a lot of uh, help. Uh, SSA also work a lot with MPA and the IMDA and uh, uh, to drive a lot of new initiatives. Some of the new initiatives, for example, right, is the IMDA Tech Skills Accelerator. So, this is things that our company is also using to uh, upskill our existing resources, right, into uh, the digital uh, new technologies, right? It doesn't mean they're not tech savvy. It means that it just, we need to upgrade ourselves. So it provides funding and subsidy to help us uh, go into on-job training kind of a scheme together with uh, good uh, courses out there uh, for us to upskill ourselves in key areas like cybersecurity, uh, like a, uh, the AI, the, the data analytics portion. So it's very good. Right, and on top of that, uh, MPA has a various uh, funds and subsidy schemes like the Maritime Cluster Fund, um, and uh, they also uh, 
turn out the uh, with together with uh, PSA, there's also the new initiatives like Digital Port as SG and the Digital Ocean. So these are a various areas and platforms that we are integrating and we are working with the various uh, maritime partners uh, to to build the standardization uh, and the APIs right towards uh, integrating with all their internal systems. Right, so these are all very um, uh, exciting and uh, encouraging uh, developments in, in the digitalization space, especially for the maritime. <clears throat> thanks, Leslie, and, and thanks for going deeper, I think with regards to not just from the government kind of a push, but also from industry association and other agencies that you have mentioned, and also the, the focus about the, the talent development, I think with, with the program that, that you mentioned. So, so I think, uh, what you described, you know, from a perspective of the entire uh, multiple stakeholders ecosystem approach, uh, and do, being you know being done in quite an aggressive way, uh, that is, that's really something that probably you know has, has led to what I mentioned overwhelmingly the global expert, no, think that Singapore is leading. Uh, and then on that perspective, right? Of course, uh, Nakul, I think Williamson operate globally. Uh, and you personally have been, you know, uh, traveling and being posted in different cities, you know, uh, in different parts of the world. Can you share from a, an international uh, maritime organization perspective, you know, how the, the community, you know, uh, in Singapore have benefited based on what, you know, King Lin as well as Leslie have described uh, of the ecosystem approach that we are having here? Yeah, <clears throat> thanks, uh, Sharon. So, so I think that's a really, really interesting question. Um, and, and obviously, uh, there are key maritime centers, and we're seeing more and more innovation, and we're seeing more and more efforts, uh, particularly in the startup space, coming out from a number of different centers, right? So, you know, Rotterdam, the Athens, Piraeus area, uh, you've got sort of the Middle East, you've got the London sector, and, and, and obviously, you've got both coasts in the US as well. Um, but I think, you know, what makes Singapore unique, and I think what's something that they've managed to leverage on, which is really exciting, is Singapore ultimately is, is always been a, um, a key operational center in, in a lot of the uh, elements in shipping, whether it's bunkering, uh, whether it's transshipment, whether it's, you know, the key port activities, um, crew change, and so on and so forth. And, and therefore, uh, its foundation as an operational center on top of um, uh, Leslie uh, described some of the policy frameworks that kind of really take that step forward, right? But ultimately, policy frameworks are, are catalytic at best. Um, and so they, they're really good at starting the process, but the sustaining of the process has to be as a consequence of uh, an inherent business demand in that center. And that's where the operational aspect comes in, right? Even if you think about ship owner and ship manager locations and so on and so forth, so I can continue. Um, I think what we're really starting to see, and, and we need to understand that maritime is, as far as tech is concerned, maritime is still at its nascency. You know, I, I like to describe it like a time machine. Uh, basically, on the weekends, we're all in 2022. And then when we come to work on Monday, we go back to like it's 1995, right? There's, you know, we're, we're still trying to chase up uh, orders and POs, and it's a really complicated and complex uh, sort of stakeholder environment. But I think that what happens in Singapore, there, again, from a policy framework, we're also an industry where innovation essentially gets triggered as a consequence of regulation. But what we're seeing now is a lot of the innovations, particularly in the decarb space, 
uh, in the supply chain resilience space, if you think about drones, if you think about you know autonomy and so on and so forth, um, it, it, it really is moving faster than the regulation and therefore regulation needs to catch up. So what Singapore has done really well is to create these regulatory sandboxes, um, you know, these drone estates, these, these areas of experimentation, a safe space for both startups and corporates to try to test these ideas out. And, and that's a really important next step as well. Um, I think the other element, and if we compare it with like the Silicon Valley thinking, you know, trying to tie up with institutes of higher learning, trying to tie up primary research with its commercialization and application, still a long way to go. But if you take a look at the overarching policy framework, there's a clear intent of connecting institutes of higher learning with the maritime community in order to be able to derive commercialization of some of that primary research. And finally, I think, you know, at the, at the base level, really, um, I'm, I'm a believer that, you know, for, for this kind of change and this kind of scaling to take place, you have to hit the three C's, right? Uh, you've got to hit capital, you've got to hit competence, and you've got to have that culture. Um, and I think as we start to see, um, you know, examples of pitch book, for example, for the first time, and bear in mind, shipping is a 10,000 year old industry, right? But for the first time, you see pitch book identifying maritime as an emerging opportunity space. That means that people are now paying attention uh, for all the wrong reasons. Supply chain is an issue and people are trying to recognize, well, you know, what contributes to that? And, and uh, shipping constitutes, you know, arguably 85, 90% of world trade. So any resolution as far as supply chain solutioning is concerned needs to encompass a shipping lens to it. And for all of these reasons, talent and capital gets attracted. And in my world, talent and capital is a leading indicator to great solutions, which is a leading indicator to the transformation of an industry. So for all of these reasons, super excited about maritime, but also super excited about the, the environment within which we operate in Singapore. I, I think it's a, it's a great opportunity uh, to really leverage that thinking and, and follow in many respects, the path that Silicon Valley followed, the more we can get great solutions and, and startups being successful, the more we'll get founders, new founders, and this sort of incumbent startup relationships taking place. And, and I think that's critical in the maritime space. Yeah, thanks a lot, uh, Nakul, for elaborating on that point in terms of the, you know, uh, coming from you and Wilhelmsen uh, perspective. And, and I think on that note, uh, you know, we have talked a lot about the, the ecosystem uh, and how the, the various, you know, uh, public-private partnership and, and the wider community have been involved as part of the transformation. If I can go to the treatment, even that, you know, uh, of course, uh, Techstar, let's say they have invested in all technologies, but then, you know, they have uh, also in, now decided to, to move into maritime and have decided to set up, you know, your first uh, global maritime, you know, uh, Tech space uh, here in Singapore, working jointly with this EPS. So, if you can give your perspective of how you know uh, this EPS Techstar you know have uh, benefited you know by being in Singapore, you know uh, by your early kind of uh, funding to to some of the startups and and what do you see really you know uh, where other companies you know, can also benefit by probably you know uh, to be part of that uh, community here in Singapore. Mm -hmm. No, I think uh, a lot of the reasons why 
Singapore is an attractive destination for a startup founder that is working on technology for the maritime sector. I think Kenglin and Leslie and Knuckle have covered it fairly exhaustively. If, if I had to just add one more thing to it, I think uh, one thing that Singapore has that some of the other maritime hubs in the world don't have is Singapore is also a trading hub, which means there is a huge financial services community based over here, banks, trade finance, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I think what, um, um, you know, startup founders around the world who are focusing on the maritime space are realizing uh, when it comes to the maritime opportunity is look, the opportunity isn't just limited to building a hardware solution for a vessel or a software solution for a vessel, but maritime is actually a gateway to a trillions of dollars trade opportunity, supply chain opportunity. Uh, and there's a, you know, that's kind of, um, uh, and, and, you know, the larger the addressable markets are for these startup founders, more and more founders tend to get attracted towards the opportunity. So uh, I think this is what founders globally are realizing that Maritime is acting like a gateway to these bigger sectors. And Singapore provides this confluence of Maritime, you know, being an operating HQ, a bit like Nakul mentioned it, but also having this trading hub and this trade finance hub to it. Uh, so I, I think that's one more reason why Singapore is attractive as a destination. But you know, sort of looking ahead, I feel like what we need now is, um, uh, you know, and playing off that Silicon Valley example. Uh, the reason why Silicon Valley became Silicon Valley is because a few people wrote checks towards some startups and then they made a lot of money out of it. And then others wanted to get in on the action. So more and more founders got in on the action and started companies and more and more investors got in and then it was a virtuous cycle that kept spinning and becoming bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, so I feel like what we as a sector now need to deliver is some one or two outsized successes, like billion dollar outcomes, right? As maritime startups. And I, I think if that happens, and all of us are, you know, stakeholders in the Singapore maritime community. We'd love to see that success happen here in Singapore. And I think if that happens, we will see an order of magnitude increase in the action that we're seeing in the maritime tech space. And I think this event is just, you know, uh, a few years away, not that far away. Thanks, uh, Dithiman, uh, for, for sharing your thoughts. And, and I guess before we talk about, you know, uh, what more needs to be done, I think it's also useful could be to assess in terms of our success uh, so far, and maybe from your own experience of you know running this uh, EPS uh, Techstar you know uh, accelerator program, right? Maybe can you can you share some of the success uh, you know that that you've uh, achieved you know by being here in in Singapore in that regards? Sure, I mean uh, I thought Eastern Pacific was really forward thinking in how they thought about this partnership when they first put it together. Um, their entire approach was, uh, this is, we don't want to go out and find technology and invest in technology and invest in startups just for our consumption, right? We, we want to be able to invest in stuff and then share it uh, with the rest of our colleagues in the broader maritime industry. Uh, we want to be a change maker in the industry is the attitude that they took. 
And how that reflected in how we operated was, uh, we invested in startups from around the world, from the, from the US, from UK, from Israel, from the Nordics, et cetera, et cetera. And when they came over to Singapore or when they became part of our program, uh, we introduced them to shipping companies and all sorts of stakeholders from the Singapore maritime community. And what was really interesting was after they had met, you know, port companies, uh, various other ship services companies, other shipping companies, financiers, et cetera, et cetera, talent, et cetera, from Singapore, a lot of these startups turned around and said, hey, uh, maybe we should not be domiciled in the United Kingdom. Maybe we shouldn't be domiciled in Norway. We should be domiciled in Singapore. And we saw quite a few companies flip where they're headquartered from another country to Singapore. Uh, because we took this view of introducing them to the entire community when they became part of our program. Uh, and I would call that a success. I mean, as, as, as Eastern Pacific, as Techstars, we only want to see the maritime community in Singapore grow and thrive like this. So that's definitely a win for us. Um, but, you know, being investors, we, we also have to look at the returns that we make out of the investments uh, that we've made. And on that count, um, um, we've, we've, you know, we've also been very fortunate. Um, some of the startups we've invested in have gone, gone on to do very, very well. Lots of them have gone on to raise funding after they graduated from our program. Uh, most notable of which, and most recent of which is Nautilus Labs uh, in the fuel optimization space. They just raised 34 million US, which I think arguably is probably the largest fundraising round in the maritime tech space. And they had gone through the first year of our accelerator a couple of years back. Uh, and when we look at our returns, I can't disclose our returns publicly, <laughs> but when you are investing in the venture capital space, you aspire for at least a 20, 25% return. I can tell you our return is much, much, much higher than that so far. So we've been very encouraged uh, with what's happened so far. We've, we've had companies relocate to Singapore, that's a win. Uh, our companies have gone on to do well, that's a win, and our returns have been great, that's a win. Yes, great, uh, Jimin, I think it's uh, an excellent sharing, I think, from you, I think, with regards to how, you know, uh, whether, you know, a shipping company or, I would say, then, uh, an invest, you know, investment company have really benefited, no, by, by being in Singapore, you know, uh, and what, what you described about the ability for them not just to work with EPS, but working with other you know, shipping companies and the entire ecosystem right here in Singapore. Because, and this is something that, you know, uh, Nakul have alluded to, you know, in terms of the, the, the rest of the uh, activities, right, that's available here in Singapore. And, and I guess on, on that note, uh, maybe Nakul, if you can share your perspective, you know, uh, provide maybe some of the examples that you see, you know, Singapore have increasingly, you know, have more and more semblance of a Silicon Valley from the maritime space. Maybe if you want to broaden a bit on that aspect. Yeah, I think, um, I think some of the examples that Dutiman mentioned are, are, are super relevant as well. And I think, uh, you know, um, so let me put it this way. Um, I, I think what we're seeing uh, is more and more companies in Singapore, just because of the narrative and the, and the collaboration opportunities, realizing the distinction between consumption and co-creation. And, and so that, that's like a really important uh, step forward as well. Um, I think, uh, you know, when you talk about Silicon Valley, you can't avoid the entire VC conversation. Um, I think what's really exciting is to see 
the number of uh, VC firms or funds that are now domiciled in Singapore um, and that are focused on maritime. So, so these guys are setting up and their value proposition is a strategic maritime VC fund. And I think that's really exciting, right? And, and their LPs are, are across the maritime value chain. And, and I think um, well, uh, some of them have, um, you know, GPs that come from uh, other VC uh, thematic funds or that are coming from maritime and going into the VC space uh, or, or are coming from other locations and setting up here in Singapore. So, so that really starts to give me, give me a lot of, um, uh, you know, enthusiasm for the fact that just to be able to have a number of VC funds that are dedicated to maritime is, a, is a, an indicator to what I talked about in terms of attraction of capital. Um, and that as a consequence attracts more founders as well, right? Um, because it becomes, it becomes um, uh, attractive to be based here, prioritized here and so on and so forth. Um, uh, so I think that that's really important. I think the second thing is um, we're seeing also, uh, and from our own perspective, uh, uh, we're seeing examples of, you know, um, these collaborations resulting in and, 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 you know, success means different things to different people. So we're seeing some of these collaborations result in corporate buyouts already, and then getting embedded uh, with another corporate and then moving forward. And, and that's great if it works for those stakeholders. Uh, we're seeing it evolve into uh, joint ventures that are being spun out. Uh, and that's great uh, if that's what those stakeholders want to go. Uh, we're seeing it getting uh, ring fenced and you know, cap tables opening up much, much wider. Um, and so these uh, initiatives and collaborations between maritime corporates and maritime startups spinning out into separate companies with lives of their own. And I think that's really exciting. And then finally, we're seeing a heck of a lot of examples of just startups gaining traction, uh, gaining that adoption, breaking down the barriers, uh, you know, moving from this MVP piloting only phase to actually getting embedded into uh, operational part of the regular process type phase. And I think it, it speaks to the maturity of, of where we need to get to. We need to see a lot more of those, but it also speaks to the fact that that I'm, I'm hoping that we can see a lot more double digit series A's, we'll hopefully see a lot more uh, series B's coming out. Uh, I think we have to take cognizance of the fact that it is still nascent. So if you take a look at the funnel of pure maritime startups, um, there's still not enough. So I think there's space for a heck of a lot more as well. Uh, thanks a lot, uh, Nakul, for sharing your perspective. And I think maybe then I can uh, you know, ask uh, King Lin, you know, to, to share the perspective of, you mentioned King Lin and that you also sit at the board of the KSL, you know, Maritime uh, Ventures, right? And of course, I know, you know, uh, KSL, they are very prudent, I think, with regards to the investment decision, you know, with regards to, you know, uh, making sure, as I said, that they, they always, you know, make the right moves, you know. So so maybe if you can share in terms of the, the background of why, you know, that you, the, the group, you know, the KSL at the group level feel then that there's opportunity space, I think, within the maritime, you know, uh, sector, within within the VC and the startup, that you, you know, decided now to, to, to invest, you know, really put in the money, and to, to you know get your hands you know, uh, dirty you know with regards to going deeper uh, within that uh, ecosystem. So yeah, I think I think Shari, you are absolutely right. I think for any investor when they start a venture fund, they are looking for returns, right? So 
Uh, likewise, I think when we look at this, we're also looking at returns and uh, the core group has been uh, investors of, we have a global investment office. So we, it's a family office that focuses on different types of investments from uh, startups to uh, the more mature public money. So <clears throat> we decided to set up this uh, KSL Venture Fund uh, a couple of years ago, I think for a few reasons. One is that we think that, you know, quite a few years ago, we think that disruption will be here with the energy transition, with all the digitalization. And we do not see enough uh, products in available for us to solve our own problem statement, right? So even today, there are a few very big uh, problem statements that we are facing. I mean, in the face of alternative fuel, what would be the transitionary uh, solution for us? Given that every ship is multi-million dollar and, you know, we can't just chuck away. You know, in Singapore, we have our cars running fossil fuel have a COE, right? We have a lifespan at the end of 10 years, we can just scrap it and then we buy an electric vehicle, right? So that's, that's easy. But for a ship, it's not so straightforward, right? And, and the thing is that because the ships tra trade worldwide, so what would be, the, what would be the, the solution for us? I think that's something that we are very focused on and we want to reduce, do our part and reduce our carbon footprint. But there are just not enough, you know, technologies, proven technologies out there in the world today to help us achieve all that. And that's just one example, right? So we decided to let's get our hand a bit dirty and then, you know, let's get a set up a venture fund and let's try to identify, you know, budding startups that can, that, has, that shows, demonstrates potential to help solve all these problems. And that is basically the, the whole uh, gist of it. And we are also in, a, it's not just a VC concept that we have. We are also, uh, we have this mode of venture building. I think we want to help our startup uh, do well, right? With the resources that we have, you know, not just within our, our organizations, but within Singapore. So whatever uh, resources that we have, you know, we help them, provide them with the domain knowledge and a bit like what EPS uh, accelerator is done. We uh, link them up to various uh, key stakeholders. We help to short circuit the process for them to get up to the mark, to see, to identify what they do not know, right? I think it's important to know what they do not know and lead them to the, uh, fund them to, to the right uh, uh, direction. So the whole basis of uh, setting up venture fund is really, there is a huge gap out there to what we want to achieve versus what is available. And like what Nakun said, we are at a very nascent stage. We are at a very preliminary stage where, you know, a few, I think 10 years ago, it's hard to introduce change in the maritime industry because there will be someone who will tell you in my 40 years of history working in the maritime sector, this cannot be done, right? This is a universal statement that I have heard from a lot of uh, maritime companies and okay, not least on, on my own as well. So today we have come a long way to say that what changes needs to take place for all these you know, to be implemented. And when companies know what changes they want, they have to look for the solution. And that is a big gap that we have identified, which means that there's tremendous opportunities, you know, for the startup scene in Singapore. You have a conducive environment, it's nascent. Everybody wants to be the first unicorn, <laughs> like what the EPSA. You know, we, we need, you know, a few huge success. Once we have a, a couple of the huge unicorn, I think that would in turn lead more companies to, to, to Singapore or to the maritime industry as a whole. And that itself would be you know, a virtual cycle to lead on a cascade to bigger things. So when we set up KSL Maritime Venture, that's our hope to be able to identify the budding technologies, uh, whether in the digital space, in the energy transition space, 
And then we help them with what we can, uh, incubate them or accelerate their path. Mm-hmm. And of course, I think right now we are still trying to build up a portfolio. And that has been our difficulty actually. How do we build up a sizable portfolio so that you know, we can manage it from a portfolio's point of view and target a certain return? Right. So I think as more companies uh, step forward, as more startups is being created, that will allow you know, this vision to be uh, realized. Uh, thanks a lot, uh, King Lin. I think we really such a, such an excellent discussion that time is running out. And uh, just to reiterate what King Lin said, I think DNV also, we, we, we see this is a decade of transformation. We see a tectonic shift, you know, uh, I think within the industry. So if I can have a closing kind of uh, uh, just one or two you know, uh, statement from the, the panelists, you know, uh, we are now talking to an international audience that may not be familiar to Singapore. So if there's one, you know, uh, thing that you know you like to, to say that to attract you know some of these uh, whether it's startup or investors or shipping organization you know, to, to consider you know to have a platform or base in Singapore uh, what will it be you know maybe I can start first with you Leslie I think you know uh, 20 seconds from you Yep, thanks uh, I think quickly we all agree that uh, all the panelists mentioned uh, a lot high potential yes Singapore is really a high potential area of three key areas to me they are in a sustainable green technology, R&D, uh, maritime startups, and maritime IT, OT, cybersecurity space. These are my top three areas that uh, we are looking uh, uh, act- uh, actively into. Thank you. Okay, thanks for Leslie. Uh, Determine from you? Um, I think uh, when startups are trying to make a decision on whether city A should be their future home or city B or Singapore, um, I think the one thing I would say that Singapore has going in its favor, in addition to all of the other things we've discussed on the call, is uh, there's a thriving venture capital community over here. Ten years back, the VC community managed barely a few hundred million dollars. Right now, it manages well in excess of billions and billions of dollars, ten, in excess of $10 billion here out of Singapore. So it's a massive venture capital community. And this VC community fundamentally recognizes and understands maritime, right? Because when they are driving to work, they drive by the port and they see ship after ship after ship after ship. So there is a fundamental recognition of how large the sector is, how large those markets are, right? So as a startup, I think you'll find a very large and welcoming VC community here. So I'll end on that note. Thanks, thanks a lot. Uh, 15 seconds, not good for you. Pretty simple. I'm just going to say maritime matters. If it if it's involved in 85 to 90 percent of world trade, but it's still stuck in the 90s, can you imagine the scale of opportunity that's possible? I'm going to leave on that note. <laughs> Great. Thanks, Dr. Nakul. Uh, closing uh, words from you, King Lin. Yeah, I think for startups, if you want uh, to reside in a com- in country where you have uh, access to POC easily. POV, the proof of valuation. I think this is the place for you. Thanks. Uh, thanks a lot, King Lin, and thanks. Thank you so much for, for all the, the panelists. I think it's really been a good discussion. I think it gives us uh, quite a broad understanding, you know, why you know, Singapore has been uh, voted number one, I think, with regards to the maritime technology and you know, overwhelmingly voted, you know, number one on digital transformation and why you now we have a good understanding of why Singapore is now termed as the Silicon Valley of Maritime. I think with that, uh, thank you very much. I hand over to Nicolas. Well, uh, my, my role is very easy. All I want to, all I 
need to do is to say a tremendous thanks to all of you uh, for uh, a great discussion and indeed uh, proving that uh, Singapore is the Silicon Valley of Maritime. So thank you to Dr. Osman for his expert moderation and for inviting you all and each one of you for um, a great contribution to the discussion. Thank you very, very much. Thank you. Thank you.